Welcome to the Jane Bond Show, from execution to excellence. And I am your host, Jane Bond, the serial entrepreneur who will be sharing with you valuable life lessons and interviewing influencers from around the country who have broken through to success, along with giving you advice on navigating through the game. Today's topic, my weight or my life. Our special guest comes to us after finding success and love, compassion with a lot of strength. He shares with us the emotional and financial challenges he and his family endured while growing up in Connecticut. With his mother being in a horrific car accident, six surgeries later and bound to a wheelchair, through the grace of God, she was able to walk again with a slight limp. Unfortunately, the family was devastated mentally and financially and ended up losing their family home, forcing him to make the decision to leave home at 16, ending up in Florida with his family to follow him some months later. Then tragedy strikes again. Without any further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our guest, Michael Giusto. Hey, Michael. Hey, Jane, how are you? Oh, I'm great. It's great to see you and hear you, you know, on From Execution to Excellence. I'm so glad you decided to come on the show. You have such a wonderful story. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. So, you know, Michael, I usually like to dive in, and I know you have a lot to share and some great gems. So why don't we get started? Sure. Um, Tell us about, I know you, you didn't grow up here in Naples, so tell us about growing up in Connecticut. What was that like for you? Sure. Um, I grew up in Waterbury, Connecticut, and um, an Italian-American family. Um, I had four si- siblings, um, so I had a brother five years older, I had a sister two years older, and I had a younger brother that was 10 years younger. Um, had a great childhood, you know, great mom and dad that, Met in high school, were high school sweethearts. Um, we're very much in love, and we had a, a great childhood growing up, um, and, and it was a fantastic time. Believe it or not, my grandmother had, uh, great-grandmother had 15 children, so there were quite a bit of juice those uh, growing up in Waterbury. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure you it was a good time. time. Yeah. Yeah, it nothing went like well, having you know, a big family. Yep. And then, you know, my brother yeah, was a I football player. Right. Um, so it was no, what I was going to say to you is I came from a big family, too, so I know what that's like. When you said your great-grandmother had 15 children, I came from a big family, and it, it was a lot of fun growing up. Oh, for sure. We so, were surrounded by cousins and aunts and uncles. I'm and, you know, never, Italian. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, great parties, you know, holidays and things like that were just fantastic. You know, lots of food and lots of uh, fun. <laughs> Plenty of family. Fantastic. Around. So it, it was so, kind of great growing up there because we, we were always around family and, you know, always surrounded by lots of love. You know, my brother was a football player. My sister was in high school, very popular, had lots of friends. Um, and I was in middle school doing pretty well for myself. Um, but my mom was in a serious car accident unexpectedly at that time, and that kind of changed all of our lives. Um, she spent nine months in the hospital, six operations. Um, we were told she wasn't going to live, but she finally made it oh back. Oh, my God. Um, you know, from a wheelchair to to a walker to you know a cane, and you know, you know, finally she walked with a limp, but um, she recovered. But you know, we grew up pretty quickly because of that, and also because of that, you know, my family was thrown into some financial stress, and that's kind of how um, I ended up moving to Florida at age 16, and that's where things changed quite a bit. 
Wow, that must have been a huge challenge for your family happening to your mom like that. But listen, she was a fighter. I mean, oh, for bad sure. car accident, yeah. go from wheelchair, never being told never to be able to walk again. That's some, you know, fight in you to get up and be able to start walking again and walk with a small limp. How blessed is she, you know, to come through that? It really was. It was truly a miracle to watch, you know, and it was definitely inspiration. You know, we saw what real adversity looked like, you know, live in person. She was a walking, talking testimonial of what you could overcome if you put your mind to it, you know, and how strong your body truly is. Um, you know, exactly. So it was kind of cool to watch her go through uh, as bad as it was to see her go through the pain, but it was also inspirational to see her strength, and, you know, and how she turned something terrible and, and negative into something positive. Of course, I'm sure that was very impactful on you mentally and your family. And, you know, at that point, what made you guys move to Florida? I know you said you guys went through some financial stress and you did, yeah. your family decided to move to Florida. Yeah, I'd walk you through it pretty quickly. But, um, you know, my dad owned a tire business with my grandfather and they had a lot of success. They did very well. Um, one of the number one distributors in New England. But when my mom got in that accident, my dad spent a lot of time at the hospital. Um, and didn't spend too much time at the business and, you know, took out some loans, the economy turned and ended up getting behind and we lost our home to foreclosure that we were living in. So I originally came to Naples, Florida on a Greyhound bus at age 16 and kind of started over. And um, my dad followed me down about six months later and we lived together for a oh, while. Oh, wow. Wait a second. You came yeah. by yourself? I did. Okay. I did. I stayed, stayed with a friend of the family who had, you know, three kids as well and I ended up going to the private school that they went to here in town, St. John Newman, and that's, you know, ironically where I met my wife. So it ended up being a blessing in disguise. Um, but, you know, my mom and my little brother eventually moved down, you know, months after once the house finally left, uh, went, you know, and, and the bank took it. You know, my brother was in college at the time, and so was my sister. So, you know, in Naples, we started over with, you know, my mom, my dad, and me and my little brother, you know, and I was 16 at the time. Well, let me ask you this. What made you say, okay, I'm done with Connecticut. I'm going to get on a Greyhound bus with my, you know, duffel bag or whatever you had at the time, and I'm going to take a chance. What was that about for you? Yeah, well, my dad had come to me in August, you know, of between my sophomore and junior high school and say, hey, listen, we're going to lose our house, but it's probably not going to happen until December or January of, of this coming year. And I know basketball season starts in October and runs through February, and I know you're serious about basketball and you were thinking about playing in college. So if you want to go now, I have a friend of the family that said you can stay with them so you don't have to, you know, miss half a season or miss your junior year. That's important. So, you know, I said, okay, if we're going to leave, I might as well go now and, and, and control some of my own destiny. And I didn't know anything about Florida other than spring break and Disney World. <laughs> you know? Right, same I was here. I surprised when I got to Naples. There wasn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I adapted pretty quickly. You know, I had sports and I had, you know, I had my wife who was my girlfriend at the time, so I spent a lot of time with her. So that, that's kind of how I was introduced to Naples and how I got there. Amazing. So did you fall in love with Naples right away? Well, I know you fell in love with your girlfriend, but did you fall in love with Naples right away? Because it's huge different from... You know, the north. Yeah, we're, we're going down back here to the. Like, yeah, going back to 1991, Naples was a very quiet, slow, sleepy retirement town. So there wasn't a lot going on for any type of teenager or, you know, young adult. Um, so unless you were interested in having a family at that moment, Naples wasn't great for me. You know, as a 16, 17, 18 year old kid, there wasn't much to do. You know, you can go to the right. beach and go to the mall, and that was about it. 
you know, so sports was important, and it was nice that I had a girlfriend that I, you know, I enjoyed spending time with. So that kind of is what we spent our time on, but there wasn't much going on, you know, as far as that. Now, over time, Naples has evolved into one of the nicest places, you know, in the, in the country, and it's beautiful. The quality of life here is great, and it's a fantastic place to raise a family. It's immaculate, um, beautiful homes, beautiful restaurants, great shopping, so... I love it here now, yeah. but at the time, I don't think I appreciated it. And it wasn't what it is today at that time. It kind of evolved into, into what it is today. And quite nicely, I must say. <laughs> and you can appreciate yeah. it being in the real estate business. You've seen some of the finest homes, you know, Naples has to offer. As a matter of fact, I think you've sold the highest priced condo in the history of Naples, if I remember correctly. Um, so you Yay. have seen Yes. <laughs> you know, the top yes. of the pyramid. There. Still holding the record. Uh, that's great, you know, and, and lucky for me, I got to be a piece of that, and I and I saw it firsthand. It was fantastic. So, so back to that, you know. So Naples was, you know, at the time, it was kind of for me, it wasn't kind of that exciting. So, you know, I was quick to leave for college. You know, I I played basketball in high school. I had an opportunity to go to Western Connecticut to play basketball. Um, so I left, you know, as soon as I graduated. To kind oh, of get so out wait a minute. School. Let's let's digress here. You went yeah. back to Connecticut to play basketball. I did. I did, yeah. Wow. And, what, know, how ironic is that? Okay. It was, um, you know, and it was, you got to remember, I, w- I did two years of high school in Connecticut and spent my whole childhood there. Then I kind of came to Florida and did two years of high school there. So I feel like I had two lives, right? Because I had friends in Connecticut, friends in Florida. So when I went back for the summer before college, I had some familiarity. I had people that I knew that I grew up with. So it was pretty enticing to go back and see some of that and reacquaint myself. Of and, course. And I was 30 minutes away from where I grew up is where I was going to college. Um, you know, of but what course. I discovered, Jane, is as I spent more time away from my girlfriend who, who I had, um, you know, met in high school in, in Florida, um, I was starting to miss her more and more, you know, and about three months into my, my college, freshman year of college over there at Western Connecticut, I decided um, I was going to come back home because I was homesick and I missed her. And um, I came back to Naples, <laughs> you know, and kind of wow. like, an opportunity to play basketball there and started over here in Naples with, with my girlfriend at the time, um, who I was missing in homesick, which, you know, was kind of tough um, on myself and was missing the game of basketball and uh, took a trip that following summer with uh, a, a teammate from high school that had an opportunity to play in North Carolina at a small school. And I took the trip with him and I kind of, worked out with the team and the, and the coach offered me a walk-on spot. So I took it. <laughs> um, so I went back to play college basketball at North Carolina for a second time um, at a small school called Greensboro College. Um, and unfortunately at that time, my dad had passed away unexpectedly. Um, so I moved back to Florida to be closer to my mom and my little brother who right. was about 12, or 12 at the time. So, you know, tragedy had struck our family for a second time. You know, the first tragedy was my mom almost losing her life. And then the, the second tragedy was my dad actually losing his life at age 46 wow. of, uh, you know, oh, unexpected wow. heart disease. You know, he drove himself to the hospital on the way to work one day. They told him he needed to do a triple bypass, and um, he did not survive the surgery. He died to pass or passed away the following day. So that wow. was really, really rough on our family, and that kind of changed our I'm life. sure. Yeah. Traumatic. Um, you know, and he was not the healthiest guy. Yeah, he wasn't fat or big, but he wasn't healthy. You know, he smoked his non-camel cigarettes. He drank a little bit of his Tangeray gin. Um, he didn't exercise much. You know, he had a high-fat diet and worked his butt. I understand you know, he was doing 12, 14-hour days to support, you know, a family of four kids. So, I, you know, I, I really admire who he was and what he did for his family, but unfortunately he wasn't taking care of himself. 
Um, and yeah, that's where and the you know, back in those it. days, I have to say, you know, I lost my dad in 1987. Same thing. Well, he didn't have mm-hmm. a triple bypass. He had a stroke. He was smoking cigarettes. He was drinking. We owned bars and nightclubs. He would come home very late at night because he, wa- he was a really good man. He wanted to make sure he had his staff who were the barmaids get home safe because, you know, the bars didn't close to 2.30 in the morning. So, you know, he drank and smoked himself to death, and that was unfortunate. And we lost him at, I mean, a little older at 62. But, you know, in retrospect, that's still a very young age to lose, um, you know, a man these days. And even your father at 46, my God, that's really young. So, Well, I think if both of those gentlemen just on. Yeah, if they'd just gone to the doctor for an annual checkup, they could have got a stent or, you know, blood pressure medicine or something, you know, you know, something to kind of get proactive about it. But by the time they acted, it was almost too late, you know. And not only that, men, you know, you guys, you're scared of the doctors. You're scared of hospitals. You don't even want to be bothered. They are. You you don't want to know. And some women, some women too, Michael, they don't want to know. They're like, you know, when it happens, and then it happens. But, you know, it's not the right attitude, so... Um, but so back, like I, I said, back in, those, back in those days, a lot of people didn't, I mean, exercise and, and, and being so health conscious as we are today was not as prevalent. So, so you know, true. we're lucky in that sense. So, so true. So true. So, you know, when, when that happened, it was, um, you know, it was another big change in my life. It was a turning point. It was, a you know, something that required major change. So, when he passed away, I wanted to be closer to my mom, wanted to be closer to, to my little brother, who was really, you know, challenging at the time as a 12-year-old, wasn't ready to lose his dad. And, you know, my mom, that was her high school sweetheart, so she didn't really know how to operate without her, her right hand, you know. She had to learn how to write a check for the first time in her life and several things that she never really did, you know, growing up as a you know, 13, 14-year-old and always having that man to take care of that part of life for her. So, you know, life changed. We tried to be there to support them the best we could. Um, And unfortunately for me, tragedy struck a third time where one of my high school teammates, my point guard from high school on the basketball team, died in a car accident unexpectedly at age 21. I I drove home for the funeral um, to see and to be with his mom and his family. And, you know, I reconnected with my girlfriend, who ended up being my wife, at at that funeral. Um, And at that moment, we kind of connected and... um, we started to talk. I was living in Fort Lauderdale at the time. She was in Naples a couple hours away. We dated long distance for about a year, and then I finally decided to um, move to Naples and propose and get married and start our family. So that's how I came back. All right. You said I'm going to take the plunge. <laughs> yeah, a, lo- a long way city. around, but, you know, that's how I made it back here, you know, a couple stops along the way. But that's, you know, that's but how that's I left. Awesome, and that's how I made you know? it back. Yeah. Hey, listen, you kind of followed your family's foot tracks. You know, that's a, a beautiful thing, you know, to sit here and hear the story come full circle because, you know, your parents, they met when they were childhood sweethearts, teenagers, got married. Here it is. You met your, your wife now, now wife, and you met yep. her when you came to Naples at 16. And then you yep. came full circle. And trust me, Fort Lauderdale, that's something different. I mean, you could have been swayed sure in so many different directions there. But she pulled you once you came to the funeral. It was meant to be, and that is so beautiful. Yeah. And here it it's is, so you true. married your childhood sweetheart. It's so true. And, and I, I can remember at the dad. time trying to get her to move to Fort Lauderdale, and she said, no. And she's a big family person, too. She's Cuban, and her family is as big as mine, and the Cubans are a very tight-knit family, just like the yes. Italians. 
you know, yeah. and so she's like, well, listen, if you want to be with me, you're going to come to Naples. And I wanted to be with her, so I came to Naples. You know, and I, what I didn't realize at the time, when I, you know, I realized over time that I wasn't just marrying her, I was marrying her mom and her grandmother as well, you know, as a Cuban. <laughs> you got like three yeses sometime and permission from three people, three generations for certain things. Um, oh, that's so it, fantastic. Like, that's but great. I truly that's do love her, and I truly do love her family. Um, so it's a fantastic thing. But, you know, the Cubans No, I know. Like you cutters. speak highly of her all the time. No, I... And I that's, that was also very part lovely. of the challenge. You know, think about all the food in my life. Growing up with the Italians and then now with the Cubans adding to it, that's how they kind of celebrated was with food, you know. That was the way they showed love was with food. If we were happy, we oh, ate. Oh, absolutely. We were if we were, you know, nervous or depressed or mad, we ate, we ate, we ate. So it was so you know, same, great same thing in the African American culture. That's we stand For by sure. our soul food. We love our food. We you know, on Sundays the, the, the ladies in the church they all bring food. It's all about well that's the part of the heart, isn't it? That's the family sure. connector. You know, um, eating together, staying together, you know, loving one another and supporting one another. That is the whole culture of family. You know, and sometimes when I talk to some people and they don't have that it, it's it's kind of heartbreaking for me because, you know, they really miss something special, and I, I understand it because I grew up in a very big family, and I had sisters and brothers and friends and cousins and aunts and grand. All of these people were always around, and that's the connector that, you know, keeps you kind of solid, you know, and keep your feet on the ground most of the time. So, you know. Oh, my mom, it, it, my mom would always yeah. say that it was. Made, this food was made with love and passion, so you can't get that. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And in many cultures, yeah. you know, I find that, you know, with the Portuguese, I find that with the Italians, the Spanish, you know, African-American families, huge on so food. True. We love to eat. <laughs> I always tell people so chicken, true. that's in my genes. Are you kidding me? Even though I don't yeah. eat meat anymore, it's still in my genes. I, you know, it's a funny story. I woke up one morning and I said to my husband, I said, I had a nightmare. And he says, what? because I stopped eating meat. I said, I had a nightmare. I went and had fried chicken. He was like, what? I said, I woke up thinking, oh, my God, I ate meat again. So well, at least you got the taste of your dream. Yeah. You get the taste of it without the yeah. calories. It's great. Oh, I did get the taste of it. Right. So this is so funny. That leads me to my next question as far as, you know, um, going into banking. How did you go into banking from basketball? Was that your first job? Outside well, it's, no, it's quite, it's quite ironic, you know. No, it was my first, I want to say, professional job. You know, I grew up, my dad owned a tire business, you know, you know, changing tires, washing white walls, sweeping driveways, doing all the rough stuff, um, working in restaurants, you know, busboy, barback, and all, all that stuff, trying to make cash. You know, I even worked in gyms part-time, um, just trying to make a little money here and there. And I would do basketball camps and little things like that. But I fell into banking. I was in college at the time, um, and they had a little, you know, table at the, in the breezeway at, at the college just giving out applications, looking for part-time tellers. And I thought to myself, well, this is great. I can get out of the sun. I can get in the AC. I could put on a nice tie. It's professional. And, you know, I sit there, and I could work with my, my hands and my mouth. I don't have to really sweat too much. So that's kind of how I fell into <laughs> it. So I started as, you know, a part-time teller. Um, and I liked it. I was pretty good with it. You know, I was good with numbers. I got to play with money all day long. I got to talk to people. I was pretty sociable. Um, so that was it. So when I moved back to Naples, um, there wasn't a banking opportunity. So I started working a construction job right away just to make money, you know. And we had our first one-bedroom apartment, me and my wife. 
And, you know, I'm working construction. I can remember she wouldn't even let me in the apartment until I would, you know, strip down to my underwear because I was too dirty to, you know, like she didn't want me dragging in dirty to the house <laughs> and straight to the shower. You know, so when I finally got my first banking job in Naples, I really appreciated it because I was out in the sun for 12 hours a day in Naples, Florida in the summertime, and, boy, it was hot. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and dirty, and dirty, too. The cool part was I built some of the, you know, landmarks that are in town today. I could drive by and say, hey, I remember when that was, you know, a construction site. I worked on it. Um, so that part was kind of cool. But, you know, I really appreciated the banking job, and I did well. You know, in six years, I had six promotions, and I found my way through the ranks, you know, from, you know, teller to supervisor to officer to assistant manager to manager, and now I'm a vice president and a business development officer, um, which is great in a lot of ways because there's a lot of, um, you know, it's a good career. It's, it's um it's a great network. It's a trusted and respected position in the community, but I do a lot of entertaining. So unfortunately over the years I've, I've put on quite a bit of weight, you know, with, you know, doing lunches and dinners and, and breakfasts and, and just trying to find ways to go out there building and come up with Yeah, and showing existing clients we appreciate their business and to your point, just building and growing existing and, and creating new relationships. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's a lot of entertaining involved. It's not necessarily what I like to eat. It's what the client likes to eat. <laughs> it's not always healthy. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, you know, that's I mean, a really good um, start to our next part of the interview, you know, because but that's what I want to address because, you know, the sure. show is called From Execution to Excellence. And everything that we have talked about has been wonderful, talking about family, friends, business, growing into who you are now. But let's address the elephant in the room, which is where sure. we want to go with the meat and potatoes of the interview. You know, you said um, when you got into banking and you were building your relationship and you put on weight in reference to, you know, eating everything and having to entertain people, do you think part of this was um, – because you had a sedentary job also, mostly? Yeah, it was, you know, and then a couple of things triggered it as well. It was definitely a sedentary job. You know, at the time, I was more of like a branch manager at that moment in my career. And, you know, I was responsible uh, for, you know, over 600 clients, and I had, you know, a number of people underneath me on my team. So I spent a lot of time at the office, and when I got out, I was entertaining. So by the time I got home, I was really not full of energy, but I also had two kids that were active right. in sports, you know. So before they were kind of going, coming up, I would play ball two, three nights a week and, and still stay active. Well, as they were getting older, I was going to their practices or I ended up coaching their teams, you know. So I had not even just them. It was, you know, the three or four kids I had to give rights to and the other ten kids I was trying to teach and grow. So by the time I finally made it home, there was no time for myself. I was exhausted. I would eat dinner at 9, 9.30 at night. I would skip lunch sometimes because I was busy during the day, and I would eat, you know, two meals. Right. And that was, you know, all the bad habits. And over time, it just compounded. Um, and all the toxicity and inflammation and um, just piled up. And I got on the scale one day, and it said 395 pounds. And I wanted to cry. Wow. I literally wanted to what, cry. Let me ask you, when, when you um, saw that, and mm -hmm. here it is, you're coming from – being an athlete, I mean, playing basketball, and, you know, you have to be in ultimate shape to do that, and you were in playing college basketball, you know, close sure. to more than likely going to professional basketball at some time point in your head and mind, you were thinking about it. So you had to be always in the back of my condition. Sure. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, that was always in the back of my mind, you know. Exactly. But, you know. So you had – so with that being in the back of your head, you were always thinking about staying in shape, staying at the top level and sure. playing at the top level of your game. And here it is. Boom. You're that that's gone. 
Now you're here in Naples, you're end banking, you have a sedentary job, you're growing, you're moving forward in your career and it's doing well, but all of a sudden it hits you like a you know, ton of bricks when you get on the scale and you see this 395. I mean, what was that like for you? Yeah, it, just, it was a big slap in the face. and I just couldn't believe I let it get that far out of hand. You know, you know, for the last six months or a year before then, I probably would look in the in the mirror and not look down. <laughs> look at myself in the neck. Right. I, don't want to see. I was kind of lying to myself, you know, I'd wear the big baggy shirt so you couldn't see the belly. You know, I hit it well. Um, I was in pretty decent shape for a fact. I can still move. I would try to play basketball even though my legs would hurt. Um, but it wasn't the same, you know, and I was just kind of lying to myself. So it kind of was a big slap in the face. Um, there, there were a few things that triggered it, you know, one thing is I got a hernia, um, and I didn't get it fixed for a couple of years. So at that point, I stopped exercising because I was afraid to hurt myself worse. And then, you know, right. I went from 50 pounds being overweight to 60 to 70 to 80 to 90. And before you know it, I was 180 pounds overweight. You know, I wow. played basketball in college at 190. You know, here I was sitting at 395, you know, over 200 pounds more. You know, I don't expect That's to ever like get back to That's a train without a Yeah, it's crazy. It's almost like I ate my old self, you know. <laughs> it was, it I was never terrible. heard you put that way, okay. Yeah, but I, mean, I used to tell people underneath all this fat was a great athlete one day. Um, you, you said, know, get and, in my belly. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what I did. It was weird because, you know, I played at 180, and here I was at 395. I had 200 pounds of wow. plus on me. It was crazy to think I could, you know, do that to myself. And when I look at the and what did you what did you go through? You know, I mean, that must have been some, you know, like a mental thing for you. What did you go through in your head, you know, mentally, with um, knowing that one day you wanted to get this off of you, and how were you going to do that? What were what was the method of transition? You know, what was the process in your head? And when did you decide that enough was enough? There was a triggering I mean, event for me. Yeah, it was two things, really. It was, well, my daughter because, was Because, wait a minute, let me, let, me, let, me, let me back up here for a minute. Sure. I met you in, I think, 16? No, That's right. no, I met you in 16. So from 16 to 18, you were still the same weight. So three years, and before that, you were, I'm sure you were that heavy. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I know, I've known you four years what, four years now yep. consistently because you're my banker. I come into the bank all the time, and you have been heavy at the times I've known you. All of a sudden, I walk right. into the bank one day, and I go, oh, my God, look at you. So now, I took a, yeah. I mean, exactly, what was that like for you mentally? Yeah, it was, it was actually inspiring. I literally took off 150 pounds in, in about 13 months. And what I did is, you know, I really just got serious. The, the triggering event was this, you know. We went to Disney World um, in July, the, the month before we were sending my daughter off to college. You know, we're a really tight-knit family. We spent a lot of time together. My kids played sports. Um, and I was having a hard time sending her off, right? I was getting a little emotional. So I said, okay, let's have one last hurrah. Let's go to Disney one last time as a family, like we are young again. You know, no sports, it's just us as a family. Let's have fun. Well, we go on the, the brand-new ride, the Avatar ride, the latest, greatest, hottest new ride. We finally right. get to the The whole family's on, and click, click, click to get in, and the, I was too big for the ride. Oh, it was the most embarrassing no. thing in my life. You know, I literally wanted to cry right there, but I did it. Obviously, I kept it together. So I get off. 
um, my kids go on, they come off and say, it was the greatest ride of all time, you know. And I was happy for them, but sad for me, you know. And it was just a big slap in the face. Um, and then here I am, I'm going home, and I'm sending my daughter off in a week or two. So I went to the to the doctor to get my lap because I was not feeling really well about what happened at Disney. And my triglycerides were just 750. Um, my A1C was 11.4. And they're like, Whoa. You're, you're, you're a cheeseburger away from a heart attack. You're a walking. Oh, you sound like a commercial. <laughs> yeah, it was just really, really bad numbers. And then here I am in my head thinking, geez, I'm going to send my daughter off to college. And when she comes home, I might not even be here. You know, what happens wow. if I pass away while she's gone? What a reality check for you. It definitely was. You know, and it was a big wake-up call for me because I had lost my dad when I was in college, and I know what he had done to my family. So. Yeah, and, I mean, that's something, you know, to put that in your head and say, what if, you know, I'm leaving my daughter, sending her off to college, and she comes back and I'm not here. That's, that must have been heavy for you. And very was. emotional also. Oh, for sure. I mean, I get emotional just talking about it because it brings me back to where I was at that time. I can, yeah, I can hear it in your voice. But um, that, that's kind of what triggered my change. And I remember saying to her when I dropped her off that, you know, every time you see me, I'm going to look different. And she believed me, but I don't think she knew what I meant. And that's when I got serious. You know, and then every time I would hit the road early morning or – hit the courts late at night, I had a vision of my family in my mind. And that was my motivation. Right. Amazing. That's amazing. I'm so proud of you, Michael. And and talk to us. It's so funny. I mean, it's not funny, but when people come on my show, they start crying. I'm so sorry. But I, I, I'm happy that you're, you know, expressing yourself in this manner also because it sounds really, you know, beautiful to hear your story and um you know people need to hear this because what you've done is just truly amazing so tell tell us a little bit about the process and walk us through that somewhat well this is the fun part right you know it's easy to talk about after you've had success you know 150 pounds later but i got to tell you in the beginning it was tough i'm not going to lie to anybody you know i have a motto in my head that we came back up with when we was doing basketball with the young kids, and it was sweat plus sacrifice equals success. And I figured, you know, you can't just say it. You have to live it, you know. So I wanted to be an example for my children um, and for the kids I've coached in the community and for others to say that, hey, listen, if you put your mind to something, there's nothing you can't accomplish. So, you know, but we have to have fun in what we're doing. So, you know, my first thing is let's exercise for fun and do what we love. And, And all you really have to do is just move, you know, those were the first kind of pillars. And, and the second big thing for me, honestly, and this was the biggest thing um, I had to do, and this is what was holding me back, um, was I had to remove the poison from my life. And the poison for me was sugar um, and negativity, right. really. You know, so I removed sugar from my life physically out of my diet. And I removed negativity and negative people from, from my life. You know, those were the, you know, the anchors that were weighing me down. I had to kind of get out the of The enablers, life. yeah. Yeah, um, so in saying removing sugar from your, your life sounds pretty simple, but boy, was that difficult because sugar is in everything, you know. So there's a lot of foods that sugar is in. Um, but what I learned over time, and it took me a minute to realize and to learn it, is that there's also a lot of food out there without sugar. And so it's not about 
the quantity of what you eat, it's the quality. Um, so you can eat quite a bit of food every day. You don't have to starve yourself if you eat the right stuff. Um, but you have to find the stuff that's not loaded with sugar. <laughs> you know? you have to become a label reader. You have to become a label reader. You really you go do, in, read it. Aisles, really. yeah. If you go into Absolutely. any of the aisles of the grocery store, there's probably sugar in just about everything in every one of those aisles. If you just stay on the perimeter of the store, it's mostly where I go these days. You know, if I go in the aisles, it's from my kids or my wife. Um, but everything I shop for is on the perimeter of the stores. It's in the produce. It's in, you know, where the meats and the proteins are and, and the nuts and the vegetables and the fruits. And, you know, you know, so I get sugar and I get carbs, but I get the right kind of sugar. You know, I get it from fruit. I get the right kind of carbs. I get them from veggies. Um, and I eat the lean protein, you know, whether it's a nut um, or, or a chicken or fish. You know, you don't have to eat meat. And there's other ways to do it. Um, I, I personally do not eat red meat, um, and it's really helped me quite a bit. You know, not only did I lose 150 pounds as my body's transformed, but I don't have the loose skin where you would see most people that need skin surgery. My body's bouncing back like a pregnant lady's big bump. You know, and I had, <laughs> I, had like, I had like triplets in there. I wasn't even with twins. I had triplets in there, and I have four pictures to prove it. Um, you know, at 395, I was, and I was all belly. I still had my basketball legs. You know? Yeah, I listen. And, I remember you. That's why I'm so blown away with what you have done because it's amazing to see the transformation. You know, when you when I walked into that off that um, the bank and I saw you, I was so shocked. I was like, "Oh my God, look at you!" And I know yeah. you. Listen, I'm a six feet tall myself. You know, <laughs> and just to lose five pounds on my frame is difficult. And you know, yeah. girls, we go through it. You can look good in your clothes and feel good, but when you put your clothes on you know what's different on your body. You just know. And just to lose no, five pounds is, yeah, it's difficult for me. But when I see someone like yourself who goes from 400 pounds to 190 pounds, I mean, that is amazing. And that takes Thanks. discipline. That takes courage. And you found the courage to say, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be, you know, a uh, 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 example of poor health anymore. I'm going to get my shit together and I'm going to take this by storm. And you did. And I have to take my hat off to you. That is definitely what this show is about, from execution to excellence, and you nailed it. Because you look amazing, Michael. And, you know, I'm so happy for you. I feel good, Jane. Thank you for noticing the appearance. I can't tell you how much better I feel. I mean, my energy is through the roof. My wife's loving me. I'm doing laundry. <laughs> I'm cleaning the house. Um, I'm just, I just got extra energy. Um, I get my workout in early in the morning, you know, before the sun starts to beat us up. Um, I take my son to school, football, whatever's going on that day. You know, I take care of my work day. And then at the end of the day, at, after dinner at 7, 8 o'clock before, you know, it gets dark or before, the, you know, before the sun's not on me the whole day, I try to get in an hour or two of basketball. And just the sweating every day uh, on top of the quality eating is just, it's multiplying, you know, so I'm hitting it from two angles, right? Um, but th- the way I feel, it just makes it, the, the benefits are so much outweigh the, the sacrifices. You know, it's so worth you know, everything oh. that I'm doing. I mean, if you think about it like this, no one's ever put a gun to my head and said, hey, you have to eat this donut or you have to eat this piece of pizza or this cheeseburger or this piece of candy. That's, it's, it's a choice that we choose to oh, make. and it tastes good. Um, it's just bad for you. <laughs> it does. You know, but if you think about it like this, it's poison. 
it truly is poison. And if, would you willingly put poison in your body if you knew what it did to you? It makes you feel like crap. It inflames you. It slows down your, 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 your blood flow. Um, your, your circulation is going to be affected. Um, your pain in your knees, your ankles. I mean, just everything. The toxicity over time just adds up. And to your, your and body you just slows down. Before, you know, you caught Well, look what it did to my dad, before, you know. He, your he, age, the yeah. Diagnosis, yeah. The official diagnosis on his death certificate was arteriosclerosis, which, you know, is the hardening of the, the arteries in the veins. So he had right, three main right. arteries were 99% clogged when he went to the doctor wow. that day for the bypass. Well, that was from all the toxicity over the years, right? Exactly. And he put all that exactly. toxicity into his body. Nobody put that in there for him. No one made him do that. He did it to himself. So he kind of killed himself, <laughs> you know, slowly exactly. over time. Well, you know, everything is in, listen, in life, everything is in moderation. You know, Well, that's those what things... doing to America and, and the world. Yeah. I mean, it's creating diabetes and killing people. You know, exactly. and it was about to kill me. It, it might have led to a heart attack, but it was, I was, you know, at 11 point for A1C, I was diabetic. And today exactly. I'm happy to report I'm 5.2 and I beat diabetes by defeating sugar. Um, and that's exactly what I did, you know. And obviously I had an exercise to speed up the results. Um, but I got to tell you, it was so worth it. You know, that's, that's what I'm here to tell people. And, you know, at 395, I didn't think it was possible. You know, I used to make little small goals, Jane, I would do 10 pounds at a time, you know, and then I'd always give myself a nice little incentive or reward. So it was an achievable goal and something to look forward to, so I had my eye on the prize. And then as soon as I'd hit that 10 pounds, I'd set a new small achievable goal with a nice little incentive, you know, and people got to be creative about it. You can do anything you want. And that's how it works. I mean, listen, and success, be a variety. Was, yeah, success yeah. is, you know, listen, it doesn't happen overnight. But it can happen in one night, and that one night comes when you execute exactly what you did to get to your end. And it's a beautiful thing because, you know, you put your mind to it. And commitment is you, – you can be motivated, and you can make a commitment once you get motivated. But the discipline is the key. If you can stay disciplined to your commitment, you can win. And like you said, that's goals. Those little goals – become big goals. Once you add them together, all those 10 pounds, look what it did. It became 180 pounds. So that is amazing. You know, because know. As, what we, as humans and as people, we want it right now. If we can't get, you know, instant gratification because everything is instantaneous now, we want it now. It's like somebody sends you a text. They don't know what you're doing, but they expect you to text them right back or something's wrong. I know. They're calling I mean, that's them the way of the world. You're not texting them back. <laughs> you know, everything is no, happening it's crazy. in real time. It's true. And that yeah. was part of my problem. I wasn't making time for myself. You know, I was a, a victim to everybody else. I was letting everybody else control my time. Now, obviously, I have my priorities and my responsibilities. I take care of my family. I take care of my my work. But I'm, now I'm also taking care of myself. And sometimes that means right. I'm sleeping less or getting up earlier or going to bed earlier or, you know, watching less TV or doing something, you know, because I need to make time for myself. If I don't get a workout in, um, I'm really disappointed. I got to be honest. And with that you. comes I, with I time think... management, also. You know, personal True. time management. Well, now and I'm making time like for myself. Said. And I'm yeah. saying no to people that were time killers. I can't tell you how many wow. people in my career were time killers that were one-way streets that didn't give, and all they did is take, 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 take. And I was such a good guy over the years, and I still am. You know, I've done so much goodwill over the years, and that's how I've built my career through goodwill. 
um, and by building relationships over time. But at the same time, you have to draw the line and set a standard for yourself and say that, hey, listen, these people don't respect my time. They don't appreciate my time. And now it's to my detriment, and it's not of the value um, that I deserve for myself. So I'm going to have to set these people free. You know, and oh, you know I've never in my life way. fired clients before the last year. And now it's oh, like, you know what? No, I'm not going to let these people um, control me or own me when they don't appreciate I'm not desperate for business, you know. Uh, so I have a new rule that I've implemented this year in my own brain. I call it the no a-hole rule. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's and, so you know, crazy, if you don't Michael? Know how to treat people or my team, I'm not doing business with you because I don't have to. There's other great people out here that I can do business with. You know, Absolutely. and I have plenty of, of contacts and a great network that I'm not desperate, and I won't lower my standards for anyone anymore, and I will make time for myself. So those who don't That's want to beautiful it, thing. don't get left behind. You know, if, if you want to get ahead, you've got to put in the work. You've got to put in the work. You know what's so crazy? And you have, I sweat daily. You have really touched on a point that I try to stress to my agents and my, my coworkers also, my colleagues, I say the same thing to them all the time. Listen, it's like being in an abusive relationship when someone doesn't appreciate you or appreciate your time or appreciate your advice. You know, you have to learn that you can fire clients. You can yes. fire customers. Because if they don't appreciate what you have to offer, it's like being in an abusive relationship. They're just going to take advantage of everything you have to give, your time, you know, your, your blood, sweat, and tears. They're just going to keep take, take, taking. And, you know, we live in a world of takers. So when we find the people that want to give and take, it's a beautiful match in heaven for us. So it's you so really true. hit that on the head when you said that. I'm fired. I have fired customers. And it's important to know that your, what your value is, what your worth is. And you can't That's be exactly desperate. Right. So, so true. You know, with, with that listen, as, said, as a big person, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah. With that being said, walk us through what a day in life is like for you with what you have committed to do, which is lose all this weight and continue to do it because that's, that must be a challenge for you too because this is like getting rid of alcohol, you know, being, you know, um, what do you call it? Um, I can't even think of the word. I'm sorry. Being uh, addicted to sweets and, and, and drugs and things like that, and now you are totally weaning yourself off of it. How are you staying committed to that? Sure, you know, and I, I, I got to be completely honest with you. I'm not perfect. You know, I have days where I slip up and make a mistake or stub my toe, um, but I forgive myself that minute immediately and just pick up where I left off and go right back to plan. Um, but I will tell you, I took charge of my life, and I did it by controlling my own destiny. You know, and it started with pain, and now it turned into pleasure. Um, so it began by just thinking to myself, why not me? Just get out of my own way and stop sabotaging myself with poor food choices. You know, um, I changed what I did not like about myself. You know, I cared. I, I, I needed the, you know, toughness and heart to get through it, but it was worth the effort. Um, so I decided to start now and talk later, you know, and I'm to the point now where I can't stop or I won't stop. And, and it's as simple as I wake up every day with my normal routine. I get up in enough time to get a, a good, solid stretch in, and I stretch properly, which takes me a good 15 to 20 minutes at my age, 
and I've learned from a personal trainer how to stretch properly. I do dynamic stretching, and then I go for my morning walk, which is about an hour. And sometimes I'll jog half of it, and sometimes I'll walk the whole thing. Um, and sometimes I'll jog the whole thing, depending on how my legs feel that day and, you know, what, what my schedule is and how much time I have. Um, and there's been days where I decided to walk for two hours instead of one because I had extra time, and I could, and my legs felt good. And there were days where I, you know, just jogged way faster than I thought I could, and I pushed myself. So it's a personal challenge that I do every day. And then I get back, and I start to eat my, my food, and I eat every two to three hours. And I eat clean, I eat some kind of protein, and I eat a healthy carb. For me, it's a fruit or a veggie. Um, I do like sweet potatoes. I like lots of greens. I like lots of salads. Um, I do like chicken. I like fish. Um, I do like nuts. I eat a lot of almonds. I eat a lot of pistachios. I do a lot in my air fryer. I eat chicken wings every night. I don't use any sauces, but I do use a lot of spices. Um, so I'm eating clean every two to three hours, and I'm making sure I'm getting a good six to seven hours of sleep. You know, for me, before at 395, I had sleep apnea. I was on the machine. And I wasn't getting the three to four hours a night, and it was just not good sleep. I was uncomfortable. Um, and it wasn't quality sleep. So now I'm off the machine. I'm off the blood pressure medicine. I'm off the, the cholesterol medicine. And, you know, I'm sleeping pretty darn good. The only reason I'm only getting six or seven is because I want to get my workouts in. You know, I find the day wow. goes fast. There's not enough time in the day to do everything I want to do. Um, which is crazy, you know, because I get back from my second workout sometimes at 8, 8.30, you know, I take a shower, you know, and my, I'm ready for bed already, you know, so I didn't get any time. <laughs> right. I don't really need it. Um, I'd rather go get the exercise in, but that's where, you know, I get to kind of unwind and spend some time with my wife, you know, and talk about, you know, the day's activities, you know, so while I'm out working out for two hours a day, I'm not with her, you know, when she's working, I'm working, we're not conversing, so we need some deep brief time and some alone time together as well. So I try to always, you know, balance work and life and make time for not just myself but also my family. Um, so I try not to use the word no with them. If it's a reasonable request, I try to be there and be present for everything. Um, but I also have to make time for myself. So that means getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning sometimes. And I'm disciplined enough to do it. Um, so I will sacrifice, you know, the basketball game on TV or whatever show was on that I would have watched or the sports center or, or the news channel. Um, to go get my workout in. Or sometimes I'll listen to a podcast while I work or, or while I walk, um, you know, and try to find ways to get the information as I'm walking. You know, I can look at some of the stocks as I'm walking. I can look at the market. I can send emails. I can do text. So I try to kind of multitask and exercise while I walk. I mean, and work while I work. <clears throat> so that, that's been good to me. So I'm staying busy. I'm staying productive. But I'm making time for myself. I'm eating clean and I'm exercising daily. That's, you know, that's amazing because it, when you find yourself alone sometimes, you can really go deep and think about what's best for you, even though you know you have others to take care of. But like you said, if you're not around, then what? I, I think it's a wonderful thing. And, and walking two hours, I know what that's like. That's, that's really a beautiful thing. That's like 10 miles when you walk two hours, which that's is exactly great it, yeah. because – yeah, you're using all of your large muscles, and, and you're, you're losing weight at the same time, and then you're eating right. And a lot of people don't know that if you eat more, your, meta your metabolism grows, you know, faster, and you're able to lose weight. People think if I don't eat a meal today, I'll lose a few pounds. Yeah, you will, but when you eat that meal and eat something on top of it that's not good, you gain more weight. You know, so eating right so and getting the rest and doing um, – 
All the things you talked about, and let's not forget about our good old water. That takes us down, too. <laughs> that water oh, really helps. Big time. But, big time. Well, yeah. listen, I've gotten a lot of advice, Jane, from other people. So my plan has kind of evolved over time over the years. You know, so what I've done is I've seeked and received advice from many others in different fields and different experts, and, and I've learned quite a bit. Um, and I've evolved over time, you know, into different things that I'm doing. So, you know, it's good to have that support network. Um, it's good to share what you're doing because you get some advice, you get some tips, right? and you also get some support and accountability, you know. So if people, you know, if I make a post, you know, every day that I'm working out and I go three days without making a post, people are like, what happened to you? You know, so I'm like, you guys are waiting. <laughs> sometimes I did the workout and I just didn't post because I forgot or, you know, the phone rang or, you know, I had to go send an email, you know, so or I just got preoccupied. Um, so it's kind of nice because now I have a little bit of a following and my friends and family and my network are following me and they're expecting me to stay on brand and to continue to inspire others and to move forward, which I love. It, it's That's great. That's a beautiful you know. thing. I mean, because what you've done is, I mean, I see people on TV, they have shows about this, and you were able to do it and put your mind to it, you know, because I'm sure that was a huge mental challenge for you. And like I said, it was running away from you like a freight train, and you had to find the stop sign. And when you did, whatever triggered that, you know, it, it really helped you. And the trigger that you talked about was um, huge you know, not being around for your children. That's a hard, you know, reality to face, and you weren't going to be a casualty of bad health. So, you well, know, Jim, we, we've all heard amazing commitment. We've all heard the saying, you are what you eat, right? But let's just talk exactly. about the numbers in there. My labs are straight facts, right? Those don't lie. That's not opinion. Those are facts. My A1C went from 11.7 to 5.5. I literally defeated diabetes exactly. there. My triglycerides went from 750 to 90. That's crazy. My cholesterol went from 347 to 150. Um, Wow. We're not selling a product. We're just sharing a lifestyle. It's all we're doing. And that's what it becomes. It becomes a lifestyle, you know. You know, you can create an accountability network. Accountability networks are easy. You can do that on social media. You know, it's free to connect with friends and family and contacts. You know, you have new and old relationships right there. Um, just by, you know, posting your story. I mean, just my before and afters make people want to ask questions, um, which is great because I want them to know that, hey, listen, if I was this big and I did it, you definitely can. And just because you let yourself go for a minute doesn't mean you can't get back, you know. So for me, I guess 50 will be the new 30. I'm only 46 this year, but um, I feel better at 46 than I did at 36. I can tell you that. Well, I can, I can tell you that for sure. Michael. Your life has come full circle, you know, knowing that your dad passed away at the age you are now and, you know, you met your wife and got married. I mean, it's like a replication of your family life, and it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you are definitely a testimonial to what can be done and what needs to be done when it comes to gaining good health. And I tell you, you know, you're great inspiration, great inspiration. Not only do you inspire me, I'm sure you're inspiring a lot of people out there. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show, because I think your story needs to be heard. And if you can help anybody out there by doing this, people are going to be so grateful. They're going to want to talk to you. So your story, like I said, is amazing. And I've witnessed it because I know you and I've seen you. You know, I don't know too many people that have, made this type of turnaround, and that takes courage. 
you know, and you can empower so many people from doing this. And I'm so happy you grabbed hold of it and said, you know what, I'm going to shake this shit loose. You know, no pun intended, but you took no, it off I love you it. and you've got it all for you, and it's fantastic. So well, think I'm, of what I'm so the example happy. I've been able to, been able to set for my kids and all the kids I've coached over the years. I mean, my kids are sitting there watching this happen live in front of their face, so now I get to go play full-court basketball with my son and my daughter instead of sitting there watching and talking about how they can do it. I'm out there doing it with them. It's so much fun to spend quality time like that. Um, and, and, Jane, there's a couple of little keys to success that I want people to keep – keep in the back of their head that will kind of keep them motivated. I just want them to know oh, that listen, sacrifices, sacrifices are worth the rewards and the benefits. You know, there's going to be pain, but there's pain for pleasure, right? So you have to put the work in to get to the finish line. Um, I do think you have to cash in often with small achievements to stay motivated and stay focused. So come up with an incentive plan or a reward system that works for you. Sit down with your spouse, sit down with your friends and family, but come up with something. It could be anything. Um, keep your eyes on the prize, right? So don't say I kind of lose 150 pounds and make it such a huge goal that, you know, it seems like so overwhelming and unachievable. Take 10 pounds at a time or, or five pounds at a time and, and then slowly build your way there. And then you'll realize, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. So if you just lose a pound a week, that's 50 pounds a year. If you lose two pounds a week, you're over 100 pounds. You know, and if you get aggressive like I did and you get strict with the food and remove the poison, the sugar, and you add exercise and you're consistent, um, you can lose 150 pounds in a year. I did it. <laughs> you know, and I was insulted at first when people looked at me and they said, well, are you sick or did you get surgery? And I'd say, no, I got to work. I got serious. Um, <laughs> I was almost insulted. Like, people looked at me like they saw a ghost, you know, because I didn't see people for six months or so. And now with COVID, I haven't seen some folks in a while either. Um, so now when they see me, I've lost another 20, 30 pounds, you know. And I tease my kids and say, I'm going to dunk the basketball again one day. And I don't know if it's possible, but I'm going to damn sure try. And I tease my wife and say, I'm going to get a six-pack again one day. And I don't know if it's possible, but I'm going to damn sure try. Uh, why not, right? Let's just keep improving ourselves. Anything is possible one day at a time. Just kind of be the best version of yourself and make slowly, slow daily improvements. You know, you don't have to do it overnight. Baby steps. You know? Absolutely. What great gems you just dropped. You know, yeah, um, just choose to live, choose to win. Beat the devil, you know, daily by right? denying the temptations in life. We all know that are not good for us, right? We know certain things are not good for us, but we choose to put it in our mouth anyway. When there's plenty available, you know, we and don't live in everything. a country where we can't get good quality food. You can get it. You just have to choose to get choose to go and make it happen. Some of it's inconvenient, some of it's expensive, but it's always a choice. Um, and that's your and that's choice in life, Michael. That's in life mm-hmm. across the board. It's always a choice. I'm sure. telling you, you are such an inspiration. I am so happy that you came on our show from Execution to Excellence. And I hope you guys listen. This is Michael Justo. He's a very good friend of mine, and I have watched him go from 400 pounds to 190 pounds now, and he's still moving. If anybody out there wants to talk to him, he could definitely be a support system and inspiration for you because he has done it, and I I am a witness to it, guys. So my audience, listen, this is the truth. He's going to give it to you straight with no chaser. Michael, tell everybody where they can find you because I want them to follow you and see what you're doing because even though this is about losing weight and about, you know, eating right and staying healthy, this goes with everything in life, guys. To get from execution to excellence, 
These are the things you have to do. Small goals, understand what you need to do, stay committed, keep discipline in your life because that's the only way you're going to get there. Michael, tell everybody where they can find you so they can sure. see the transformation happening in real time. Okay, I think the, the, the first place to find me would be the easiest would be Facebook right now because I do have some before and afters posted there. Um, you can see my beautiful family. Um, so I'm Michael Justo, and Justo is spelled G-I-U-S-T-O. So if you just search Michael Justo in Naples, Florida, I think I'm the only Michael Justo here. You should find me pretty easily. Um, you can also reach me by email at mjuice, J-U-I-C-E, 2735 at AOL.com. I'm also going to launch an Instagram page here pretty soon and get going at IGTV. Um, so look for that coming soon. Um, but I'll keep everybody updated on my Facebook. And then I'll create a new Twitter as well because I'm going to start to promote this a little bit more so I can share my story and help others. Okay? Yes, because your journey is amazing. And I know we're going to get a book out of you too, Mr. Juice, though. <laughs> we're going to okay. talk about the juice. You are the real juice. (laughs) And, guys, let me just add to that. If you need a great banker, Mr. Justo is your guy. For sure. Happy to help in any way I can. Absolutely. We love you here. So, everybody, I want to thank you for being with us today, listening to our great guest, Michael Justo, and we will talk to you again. Thank you so much, Michael, from coming on to from execution to excellence, and we love you. Thanks, all. Have a great day. Appreciate the opportunity. You too, Michael. All righty. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mr. Michael Justo. You're talking about someone that has the juice. It is Mr. Justo. I have watched him transform himself from being 400 pounds into 190 pounds. That is not an easy feat, guys. I am so proud of him. Let me tell you, if you need any type of support system, Mr. Justo is your man. Guys, thank you again for joining us on From Execution to Excellence, and we cannot wait to bring you our next episode. Please do not forget to go to Apple Podcast and write us a review and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you.